everybody. Welcome to our Week in Review. I am Stephen Cox, along with Chair of the King County Democrat, Shasti Conrad, and Managing Partner of Left Wing Digital, Will Casey. And this week, our election season officially begins because it is filing week. It's like our Super Bowl. I'm so excited. <laughs> It is like our Super Bowl because it is super important. Ah, see what I did there? So, and then in the second half of the show, we're going to be talking with Bothell City Council member Mason Thompson about his incredibly close race and how that has implications for how turnout and grassroots work make all of the difference. Okay, you guys, so let's start with the basics. What is filing week? How does the process work? Does it cost anything? Why is it like our Super Bowl? Shasti, this is your wheelhouse, so uh, you take it. Yes. So filing week is when all candidates who are going to be running in this year's cycle have to file either with the secretary of state's office or with their local you know, county elections office. Um, in odd years, it's really exciting because there's so many races that people can run for. There's city councils, it's school boards, it's county council, it's water commissions and hospital districts. So it's um, just here in King County, we had over 340 seats that people could run for. And late breaking news is we are we have almost every single one of those seats um, uh, filled with people running for them. Wow. And uh, the deadline is 4 p.m. today. So you have a couple more hours to get them in. That is so awesome. That is such great news. You know, um, so so here's the thing. I have now been involved with politics here in the glorious Pacific Northwest for the better part of four years now. Um, and I have to ask you, is it that more people I know are running or are just more people generally running? Are you talking with uh, people from other counties? Are they seeing an uptick in numbers, too? I think definitely. I think there is an uptick in numbers, particularly for progressives and Democrats to be running. Um, to be totally honest, you know, Republicans did a much better job of getting their side to run in particularly in odd year elections. Um, it was a way to build the bench. It's a way to get people, um, you know, sort of started in the process of getting their names on ballots and, and running for these different seats. And, um, you know, we Democrats tended to get really caught up in the even years. We, we get excited by presidential elections. We get excited by our state legislature elections. Um, we often miss the mark on these odd years to really make sure we were getting awesome people running. So it's both that there are more people running, but it's also that there are even more awesome progressive people running. And that is what is so exciting. It's so exciting, and it makes me so damn happy because for all the reasons that you just mentioned, I think it's really time that we took a page out of the playbook from uh, from the Republicans and, and really started to bench build in that way. Well, I'm just interested in your take on all of this generally. Um, you know, uh, this is, as, as Shasti said, an odd year and off year election, meaning, as, as we know, no statewide or federal uh, races. Does it seem busy to you? I mean, g- give me your take overall in, in terms of what's happening here in the state. Definitely. I mean, it is it is 100% uh, not your imagination, Stefan. Like people are very much excited to get involved in local elections. And I think you're seeing people stand up to run who would never have contemplated, you know, running before 2020. I think whether it's, you know, the pandemic, teaching everyone about the importance of local governments and how their public health departments are so critical into keeping us safe, or, you know, the racial justice protests of last summer, making everyone aware of how critical, you know, their local mayors or city council members, you know, are, are in sort of deciding those uh, policies and and being able to make change there. Um, plus, I think people just feel a lot more empowered after 2020 and how effective we were in taking back the presidency and, and winning, uh, you know, keeping control of Congress and, and 
even in the runoffs in Georgia, you know, just barely eking out a majority in the Senate. So I think people are really feeling that effectiveness and how powerful they can be as volunteers. And also, you know, we've seen some community leaders who have been doing this work for years now, finally stepping up and running off, uh, running for office for the first time themselves. It's, it's quite inspiring. That's right. I mean, as the Indivisible Guide says, doing the work um, on, at the activist level is really, really impactful. But they always say the most important thing you can do, if you can, is run for office. So it's just so exciting to be seeing that at this level right now. And it's particularly gratifying to me to get to interview uh, a number of people who are our fellow Indivisible members who are stepping up and, uh, and, and making the run. So uh, just a, a great time all the way around. The one thing, well, actually, there are a few things that I wonder about. One is because this is an off-year, odd-year election, there there are some challenges, right, in terms of getting people's attention. Um, but I, I actually would rather start with the. We'll, we'll talk about that, but let's let's start with the advantages. What are some of the advantages of running in an off-year election, Shasti? Well, first, let me just say um, there are no off years. Um, I always say that it's an odd-year election because um, one of the things that I think many of us um, would sort of miss and forget is that we would get caught up in these, you know, it's really all the attention for organizing is just in the even years. It's just in presidential years or it's to help get, you know, the midterms. And that is an opportunity that has been missed, you know, for many years by Democrats and progressives and activists. And we've kind of, we, we let the castle go on, uh, you know, unprotected. And so it's a really amazing opportunity to work with the exact sort of dream people that you want in elected office. It's like, you know, the closer you are to, you know, community problems, the closer you are to solutions. So a lot of the folks that are stepping up to run for city councils and school boards, you know, they're they're just community leaders. You know, they're, they're people that, um, you know, they care about um, the quality of the, the schools that their kids are going to. They they care about the fact that they, you know, they want to be able to live in a community that feels inclusive and open to diversity. And um, they want it to feel like a safe place for them to live. And um, they just care. Like, they just want to step sure. up and run. And it's um, that's been the most fun part of my job as, as King County chair is that, I get to just talk to really awesome people who want to do some good in their community. And I think there's a lot of great opportunities to support those people um, at the start of their careers. You know, Patty Murray famously has always said, like, you know, she started out as, you know, she started on the school board. You know, she was a mom in tennis shoes and she just kept running and kept kept um, rising all the way up to being senator. And, and a lot of these folks that we're meeting this year that are starting to run I see them being able to follow that same trajectory and it's really exciting to be at the start with them. And it's, you know, it's less expensive, um, you know, fewer doors, more concentrated doors. I mean, um, you know, I know Will worked alongside Christiana de Leon who um, ran for Black Diamond City Council two years ago. And I mean, you know, she had to win just like 500 um, uh, 500, uh, not 500 doors to win. And so, you know, it's like, it's not, it's not huge, but it makes a huge difference and it makes a big, di- it makes um, your community better. So I think there's a lot to, to really get excited about and celebrate in a lot of ways for people to really get to know their communities, which is so important. 
and point taken about uh, odd-year election versus off-year election. There are no off-year elections. So there you go. I've been corrected. I will correct anybody else who uh, has been thinking the same way uh, that I have been. So, yeah, so your volunteer hours uh, certainly go a lot further, something I want to come back to. Um, And as you mentioned, it's a smaller electorate, so you really have less ground to cover, more bang for your buck. Will, same, same question to you. I mean, isn't it ironically a little bit easier you know, when you don't have to compete with these big senates and uh, congressional races that are like sucking up all the oxygen and volunteer hours and and and, and money. Definitely, definitely. I think that there's um, a lot to be said for the vacuum of attention that comes into these spaces. I mean, I think to be candid, there still always are those big marquee races. You know, for King County Executive, for example, here locally, um, or maybe even the Seattle Mayor's race. But there's still going to be, you know. Uh, organizations at the local level in your community that are gathering together, especially as everyone's craving in-person interaction as we emerge from this pandemic, um, you know, here in about a month or so. And I think that there's going to be a lot easier of a time of people being able to get uh, attention from those groups on these local races, right? And some sometimes it's even just you're a member of this group and you say, hey, by the way, I'm now running for a school board. I'd really appreciate it if the four of you uh, who are in this room right now could join me knocking doors this weekend. So I think it is really critical that, you know, yes, it is still can be challenging for people to get some attention on those races for other reasons, but not having to, co- to compete, especially in terms of conversations with y- those in your personal lives, right? Your friends, your family members, your uh, barber, your landscaper your uh kids tutor or you know zoom pod uh sort of uh, child care worker like however it is that whoever the people are in your life they're not thinking about the white house or congress or the governor's mansion they're thinking about problems in their everyday lives and these kinds of elections are a way to make a difference in those uh, on those issues And so going further in that direction, just to make it even a little less intimidating, because I think one of the reasons why people hesitate when they think about putting their hat in the ring is it's like, oh, gosh, this this seems like a a really, you know, you look at congressional races, you look at senatorial races, you're like, my God, the amount of money that you have to to raise. So Shasti, maybe put some people's minds at ease. In what, you know, qualitative ways are municipal and county races different from, say, running for Congress? Yeah, I mean, number one, you don't have to raise, you know, tens of thousands of dollars um, to be able to compete or, you know, even have uh, staff, you know, um, a lot of these smaller races. I mean, it's it's just you. It's you knocking on the doors of your neighbors and making phone calls and having the Democratic Party help you with volunteers and whatnot. Um but it's, it's just much more, um, I think it's much more manageable in some ways. It's not the, like Will was saying, the sort of full political apparatus that kind of steps forth when you're running for some of these, like, you know, big, bigger offices. Um, you don't have to have all of that, you know, and that I think should hopefully make it feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, and, you know, you get to, it's closer to home. It's closer to, um you know, probably issues that are in your daily life, too. You don't have to be an expert on, you know, every major policy issue. Um, You don't have to wade into some of the really murky stuff. It's really just like, um, hey, you know, do you want do you want your kids to be able to go to a good school? Do you want to, um, you know, what do you want your city to be taking up? And it's, you know, it's it's stuff that you probably know um, just from simply living in your own community. So. I think that it's a great opportunity to run and it's a fun way um, to get your, you know, get your name out on a ballot. You'll, you know, you get to uh, be in a voter's pamphlet and um, you get to start meeting other organizations. I've often said, I think 
you know, running for office is one of the best ways to get to know your community because you have to go and talk to people and you get to go meet, you know, people who are leading other community organizations and um, are doing great work too and, and, and learn about how you can help amplify and support what they're doing. So it's, it's wonderful. I mean, I'm really, I'm super jazzed. It's been a, a very full week in trying to make sure that we have all these great people running and properly filed, but I'm just, I'm, you know, it's Friday afternoon when we're recording this, and I'm just thrilled that we, we've got so many great people running. It gives me hope. You're doing great work, my friend. If I haven't said so, um, you you impress me, you you inspire me, you are awesome. Um, and yeah, you're right. It's a great way to get to know your community. It's also kind of a, a great lesson in civics, too, because what you realize is, you know, these big marquee races that were, that, that as I said, suck up all the oxygen, the, the things that happen closer to home, the city council uh, you know, meetings, the, uh, the county council meetings, the school board meetings often have a lot more impact on our daily lives. And so when you run for office, boy, oh boy, do you learn uh, that's the truth. Will, anything you want to add to that? Well, I just think it's something that people really need to understand how much uh, a direct contact with the electorate you get in these local races, right? Like I've worked on congressional campaigns, you know, we're working on the Seattle mayor's race, King County executive race. These are huge electorates where, you know, the candidates just never going to be able to meet everyone who's going to vote for them. Right. And I think that that is always a struggle for people who are running at that level because, you know, they want that personal connection. They're like, oh, if only, you know, people could just sit down and meet with me and, and understand, you know, my values and why. I, I care about this community like they would they you know they'd be on our team and you know here in a local election where there's going to be 732 people or something like Christiana De, uh, De Leon, uh got to vote for her in Black Diamond you can literally meet every single one of those people right like it is possible it takes time and effort and you got to put in the the, the, the uh, uh, work to knock the doors but you know that doesn't cost you anything aside from having the time to do that and spending your time doing that instead of you know what else you you would normally do in your free time. So I think that that's just really encouraging for for people who are considering doing this or you know if you know someone at this point because this will probably come out after the filing deadline. If you know someone who's run for office, I mean, really just encourage them to get out there and meet the electorate and do that yourself because it is truly an opportunity like as as Jasty was saying to get to know your community and and it's something that i think in the wake of the uh, the isolation we've all endured over the last year and a half that it really be good for people's just general mental health as well Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned our friend Christiana and, and you know, Black Diamond is a, is a smaller community. But even still, statistically, we know that not as many people vote in these odd year elections. And so, you know, at scale, if you're running, say, at the county level or something like that, and you really need to reach a lot more people and you need to, you know, to reach a critical mass of people who may not be that interested in voting. What's the calculus here? How do you how do you get people's attention, Shasti, in, in order to, you know, get up and over? In, in these races? I mean, I think it's still the same same game in some ways in that it's, you know, it's endorsements. It's um, getting to know your neighbors by knocking on doors and uh, making phone calls. I think it's probably social media more and more. Um, you know, I know that in, um, you know, a number of the sort of cities, it's like they have big, massive Facebook groups, you know, and that's where people are mobilizing and talking to each other and whatnot for better or for worse. So I think it's more of that. I mean, you're not going to be doing big flashy like TV ads, probably, you know, maybe in, you know, um, a King County executive race, but probably not if you're running for, you know, school board incarnation or something like that. Um, and and so, yeah, I mean, it's really about just like reminding people of their civic duty and getting them really jazzed about you, you know, about 
about what you bring and about what's so important. And there are two quick things I wanted to flag, which is, um, you know, I, I said earlier about how the Republicans were much better about um, bench building in this way and really about um, focusing on, um, you know, getting people running for these seats in, in odd years, partially because there was less eyes, there were less people voting, um, you know, in these odd year elections. And so they were able to sneak through sometimes some, you know, people that on the otherwise, King County's Democratic, you know, I mean, like we go, um, we go in every presidential cycle, we go Democratic. So it was a way for them to get some victories. And also, you know, in these like hospital districts and water commissions and whatnot, you know, th these these boards are there to help allocate um, public and manage like public utilities, um, public goods. And so if you get more conservative people that are on those boards just simply because nobody's challenging them, then the money that is spent on public hospitals is going to be a lot less or on the water boards and like who has access to those public goods is going to be more narrow because of who's getting to make those decisions. So it's really important that we have folks like us who want more diversity, more inclusion, you know, more people having access. We want um, public money spent intelligently and strategically, but we want it, we want it spent to help people you got to run for these seats because otherwise you don't get to have a say, you know, it's like, if you're not at the table, you know, you're on the menu. And then the other thing that I've just noticed also is that, um, a, in, for incumbents, um, women of women and people of color, um, incumbents tend to draw more challengers, um, in these races than, um, male incumbents and white incumbents. And that is something too, that we have to keep an eye on to make sure that we are standing up for really solid incumbents who have been doing the good work. Um, and also when there are, you know, uh, incumbents that haven't been doing a great job, um, let's run some good people. And that's, you know, Democrats and Republicans, but particularly in these, um, you know, sort of more local offices, it's really important that we're getting good people and we're reminding them that they've got to be responsive to us. Yeah, 100% agreed on everything that you just said. And and something else that I would add is, if you don't step up, um, there are going to be some people who are very unsavory who will. Um, and to wit, I would say there is a QAnon supporting mayor in Squim uh, right now. We're going to be doing a town hall with some of the people who are running on the board uh, to try to dispatch with that situation. But uh, these, are the, these are the sorts of consequences that can happen if good people don't step up and run. Will, I know you work on this question all the time about how to drive attention. How do you approach it? Yeah, 15 hours a day or so. <laughs> but um, I think it's I think it's honestly, it's just about authentic engagement with people who are on your team, right? Like we keep hammering this message over and over and over again, but it's really important that these, you know, a small amount of effort, volunteer hours, dollars, you know, this all goes a really long way in these local elections. And so I think it's just thinking about who is in your network, right? Like what kind of relational organizing can you do, which is just a fancy term for talking to your friends and getting them to do the same thing, right? Right. Um, you know, Chassis is totally right. Social media is critical. Even if you don't feel like, you know, you have a bunch of followers, you know, get your accounts started now. Make sure your branding is clear and that you've got everything sort of updated and you're posting regularly so that people can stay up to date on your campaign. Um, and I think the final thing is just making sure that you're doing the work to educate people about the importance of the office. Right. So many times when we're talking about these big marquee issues that are in the news all the time, the people you're talking to have a you know firm 
set opinion about where they stand, right? Whether it's uh, issues like climate change, abortion, gun uh, rights, or gun violence prevention, all of those things are issues where people probably have pretty firm set opinions. The importance of the local uh, hospital district, not something that people have a set opinion about, right? Mm. And so I think it's just making sure that you're making you're meeting people where they are in terms of how much information they have about these elections, and really doing the work to educate those folks on this is, you know, why it matters that people, you know, actually fill out their whole ballot and vote for all of these local elections instead of just the top two or three offices with, with names that they recognize. Um, so, but if you're doing all those things, like you'll be surprised at how effective even a small team of, you know, committed volunteers can be in these elections. Yeah. So for anybody who's listening and wants to get involved, what can they do? What's the most impactful thing that a volunteer can do, do you think, Shasti? Well, um, if, you, if you want to run, run. Um, and and then I think, you know, um, help knock the doors, you know, help. Like it's time, treasure, talent. What can you offer? Can you help with fundraising? Can you help with knocking on doors? Can you help with making calls? Um, can you provide any other? Because sometimes it's emotional support. And like, um, you know, we were counseling a number of candidates um, this week. And like the number one issue that came up was child care. And there's been a recent change, by the way, that now um, you can use the PDC has said you can use campaign funds to cover child care costs. And so sometimes it's like, you got to just be a good friend to these candidates and be like, do you need a hot meal? You know, do you need some help finding a babysitter, you know, so that you can go knock doors, do whatever you can to help get these folks across the finish line, because this is what makes our democracy strong. Our community, our community strong is getting really great people who represent us, who are going to stand up for our values to be supported and, and get across the finish line. I love what you said about that. That is so important. Um, and as I said, most of us in Indivisible right now know somebody personally who is running for office. And so certainly get out there, you know, help them canvas, do all that stuff. But, you know, emotional support is really important, too. Running for office is not easy. So, uh, Will, any final words? Oh, I just want to echo everything that Shasti said to this entire conversation and also just put in a pitch of like, don't just volunteer, but make it a regular habit, right? Like when I was working at the state Democrats, uh, the number one thing we hired a ton of people to do all the time was just recruit volunteers um, and then make sure that they showed up to places and, and you know, put in the voter contact hours. And so, you know, the more that you can take that work off of the campaign's plate and just say like, you know what, every Tuesday at 530, I'm going to make 100 phone calls or, you know, every Saturday, give me three lists. I'll go knock doors for four hours or, you know, just Sunday morning morning after I go to, you know, church or, you know, when I pick the kids up from school, we're going to just hit one neighborhood, right? But just having that regular, um, predictable engagement with campaigns is super important, especially at the lower levels where it might be just the candidate themselves who's trying to organize all this stuff. The more that you can take off of their plate and the more, the easier you can make the experience for them, the more successful they're going to be. It's a habit. Get into the habit of helping out your local candidate and listen, you know, pick somebody you're passionate about, just jump in. And I will mention that Indivisible uh, Town Hall series. We're going to be doing candidate forums every Tuesday night starting on June 22nd all the way through the primary on August 3rd. So we're going to be talking with candidates from all over the state. It's a great opportunity to get to know some of these fantastic progressives who are running. So as Rachel Maddow likes to say, watch this space. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with Shasti's conversation with Bothell City Council member Mason Thompson. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited for the second half of the show. Um, as we were just talking about, we just wrapped up um, filing week, which is when everybody who's going to run for office um, in this year files for office. 
And two years ago, we had a really incredible uh, a story, an incredible candidate in Mason Thompson, who is now on the Bothell City Council. Mason, welcome to the show. Thank you, Shasti. Thanks for having me here. I, I love listening to the podcast. It's fun to it's fun to be here. Love to hear it. Um, so Mason, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, a little about your background? Well, um, I, like a lot of people, got involved in politics uh, after the 2016 presidential election. You know, it became really obvious that there was no hero coming to save us. Um, but in retrospect, Stacey Abrams exists, so I might have to reconsider that. <laughs> but even Stacey Abrams needs help. So uh, I think that everyone who wants to see progress needs to do whatever they can to make the world a better place. And um, after that election, for me, that looked like joining the Parks and Recreation Board for the city of Bothell and becoming a PCO in the first LB. Um, and in December of that year, I got a call from then Deputy Mayor, now State Rep, Davina Dewar, asking if I wanted to talk about running, and here we are. So I've been on the Bothell City Council since January of 2020, so if, if you're expecting any insight into what being elected normally looks like, I will disappoint you. <laughs> so um, I had an opponent who had really good name recognition, outspent me almost three to one, and has owned a really nice restaurant on Bothell's Main Street for about 30 years. And I was a random guy working in retail from the parks board. And it turns out that her advantages roughly equaled what my team was able to do. And I ended up winning by five votes uh, after two separate hand recounts in both King and Snohomish County because uh, Bothell is in both counties. Yeah. Um, I definitely have more questions on that for you. Um, but I, I, you know, like I just said, we just finished up filing week. You know, what was it like running for office for the first time? And how did it feel to file, you know, put your name up there and file and, and, and have your name on a ballot? I mean, filing week is surreal. And it's still so much fun for me. Like filing week Friday is like a personal holiday for me now. Like that evening, like I, I do something with some of my friends. Um, yesterday, that looked like a bike ride. Um, in terms of like running for office overall, uh, Davina told me at the beginning of this that running for office is personal growth on steroids. And that is so true. And it's a good thing because anybody thinking about running for office probably realizes how much they don't know and how much they have to learn. And the good news is that nobody is really qualified for their first run for office. And a good hard run for office does a lot more than I expected to teach you how to do the job. Um, in, in filing week, I, I remember uh, in 2019 when I ran, going out to dinner with some friends who were already serving. And it was so much fun hearing them share their kind of war stories, their campaign stories. And, um, you know, it, it felt like, like once you actually put your name on the line and fill that form out, like, okay, this is real. Like I already made a website. I wrote some copy for it. It was terrible. I had to replace it like a month in because I'm like, what was I thinking writing that down? Um, but, but, but actually filing and making it official, um, is a really big step. And I am so excited for all of the new candidates this year that have made that step because it changes you. It is personal growth on steroids and um, it's it's a really odd type of fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, how was it trying to get like volunteers um, and people, you know, supporting your campaign in an off year when a lot of times people are, you know, not paying as close attention? You know, you have a lot of conversations that go something like this. Somebody says, hey, I'm really excited you're running. What can I do to help? And you say, well, the two things I need the most help with are money and knocking on doors. And then they say, oh, 
can I have a sign? So, because, because like knocking on doors isn't super fun and nobody wants to part with money. So, you know, of course you say, absolutely, you can have a sign and something like, hey, like, you know, would you mind posting like now? And then maybe again, right as ballots drop on social media that you're really excited about my campaign. And, and they do that and that's help and that's fantastic. Um, one of the things about having a race that was so close that was really satisfying is that you can tell every single person who did a thing for the campaign that they made the difference and completely mean it. And um, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank one person who helped my campaign more than anybody else, um, Karsten Kurd. Um, uh, Shasta, he's now the vice chair of the King County Dems Resolutions Committee for mm -hmm. you. Um, mm -hmm. And he helped manage volunteers and signs, just took a ton off of my plate that allowed me to go out and be a candidate. So for anyone who's listening, local candidates badly need your help. And you can make all of the difference for a candidate this year. And after a quick scan of um, who filed, um, I can tell you, if you can make a website, there's a lot of candidates that desperately need you right now. Um, and so, and if, and if you're looking to get involved yourself, um, it's a great experience. You learn a lot helping. Um, among folks who helped with uh, my campaign, Karsten um, was already on the planning commission, but now he's involved with the party. Um, Amanda, Sarah, and Ginny um, have since joined our planning commission, which, by the way, has a millennial female majority on our planning commission now. Um, and and Ginny's running for city council this year in Bothell. So it's a great way to get involved, to start to learn more, and, um, you know, build a bench. Yeah, that's great. We're so lucky to have Carson now more involved in the party. He's been doing great work. So, um, yeah, so you mentioned earlier, and I, I remember um, your story from uh, 2019 election cycle that you, I believe you were initially down on election night. And then, um, you know, you and then you went through what it was like two weeks for a recount. Can you tell us that story? Yeah. So I was down 86 votes on election night and I thought I lost. And, you know, a lot of people will do like a big party with all of their volunteers on election night. And I didn't. I kept it really tight. There were just a few people that we were watching it with, mostly because I didn't want everybody to see me cry. Because like you... <clears throat> excuse me, you pour everything into this. I mean, I didn't do anything else other than work and family <clears throat> over the course of 2019. And I knew I had to because my opponent had a lot of advantages that I didn't, and I, I didn't regret it at all, but um, it was a lot. Um, I was really lucky at the end of that to have a ton of people who'd come on board and wanted to help ballot chase. Um, and without them, I may have just collapsed in a heap, Shasti. I was done. Um, and one other thing is the elected community itself is pretty amazing. Um, there's some great people. I, I have a few folks that I deeply respect, both help with strategy, putting me in touch with their consultants, figuring out what to do, and in some cases, just giving a pep talk. Um, you know, we have some, some amazing folks here that aren't just talented legislators, but are also phenomenal people. And Candidates are people too, and they need somebody that's been there to just be like, hey, this is hard, let me help. So yeah. um, we got together as a, as a team, as a campaign team, and we went through every voter whose ballot was rejected one by one, um, and there were about 150. Um, we had some information that, you know, we had precinct information, we had age information, so we knew which areas of town people were more likely to vote for which candidate, and that age was a big indicator too. 
um, the, the younger you were, the more likely you were to vote for our campaign. Uh, we sent out 17,000 mailers, knocked on about 7,500 doors. Um, so for each person, we looked at their profile, like how old are they, where do they live, how many contacts did the campaign have with them? Like, did they get did they get two mailers and I knocked on their door and left a flyer? Did they get one mailer and I knocked on their door and talked to them? Um, and we went through each individual uh, voter and basically decided how likely are they to be uh, to, have, to have cast a vote for our campaign. Um, the interesting part there was trying to decide how many people to contact to cure their ballot. Like if we picked the most likely 10, we'd probably get nine of them. And that would be a delta of eight votes. If we went to all 150, we'd probably get 75 of them with a delta of zero. Like, so where in the middle is the biggest delta? And I mean, truthfully, we had absolutely no idea. Um, so we went kind of just one by one and thought like, how likely is this person and landed on 48? And then, um, Shasti, I thought I was done knocking on doors at that point in time. And I was kind of excited about that. But we went back out to knock on doors and had forms people could use to validate their signature and get their vote to count. And to be blunt, we harassed people. Like at that point in time, they can't switch their vote. Like if you knock on their door eight times and they tell you to leave, which happened once, um, like it's not like they can go back and vote against you. So um, we ended up curing 45 of the 48 ballots. Um, and we were down 86 votes on election night. And there were a couple big drops early. Um, and when we started ballot chasing, we were down 31 on November 10th. And after that, we were down 24 votes, 17 votes, 10 votes, 7 votes, 6 votes, 2 votes. And on November 20th, a little over two weeks after election night, we were actually tied for a day. Um, and then after that, there were, I think there were, uh, we went up two votes, four votes, stayed at four votes, and then gained one vote on the last day um, to be ahead by five going into the recounts. It was 5,807 to 5,802. I was ahead by 0.04%. So, um, you know, that's certainly within the margin, a recount can swing an election. And we had two recounts in two counties, um, and the vote didn't change by a single vote when the election was certified in the middle of December, uh, which I will say gave me a really interesting perspective over the course of 2020, when there was a lot of manufactured controversy about the reliability of mail-in voting. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, we had, you know, uh, 11,000 plus votes and it was exactly right. Like, so, so I don't buy it. Mail-in voting's great. Mm -hmm. um, and one more thing, if you'll allow me just a soapbox real quick. Um, mm -hmm local elections really matter a lot and it's not just because it's a bench for state level elections cities control most decisions around policing as an example um, but also land use which has an enormous effect on issues that are really core to being progressive equity the environment housing affordability public health um, as an example because of tailpipe emissions childhood asthma rates skyrocket they go up by 50 percent according to one study if kids grow up within a few blocks of a busy arterial Guess where most suburban cities like mine allow the type of housing that a young family can afford? Right. It's within a couple blocks of an arterial. Um, so everybody who's wonky should go read The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein to understand just how intertwined land use is with segregation and the racial wealth gap. And these aren't issues that just exist in history. Like those rules that did that in many cases are still on the books and they still exist in a slightly different form. So 
volunteer for your local candidates. Um, go out there. It, it makes a big difference. And if we all do whatever we can to make the world a better place, we're going to do it. Thank you so much, Mason. Thanks for, I mean, yeah, that your story is uh, really one of the wildest stories that I think I've come across in the last couple of years of doing this work. And um, I remember just sort of keeping track like of the, as the, you know, um, votes would come in every day and being like, oh my God, like, wow, we're gaining. I think we might do it. Um, and uh, all that work um to to get the to get the numbers that you did resulted in an awesome person becoming a city council member so Aww, thank you <laughs> yeah i love it don't, don't ask about my blood pressure during that yeah i bet, I bet <laughs> right i bet and i know because it's like it's it's a long campaign you know and then you're like okay just make it to election day and then you had what another month six weeks of it was the, the process middle of December when my, I think it was December 14th when the second recount was done, 15th, yeah. something like that. And then I had about two weeks to have 2020 be my first year as an elected <laughs> official. So I'm tired, Shasti. <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yes. I, and you know, I use, I use your election a lot of times to remind people that like every vote matters because it does it, you know, it really, um, when you think that, um, you know, Oh, who cares? Or like everybody, you know, everybody else determines it, or I can't make a difference here in, you know, blue King County or blue Washington state, um, races like yours prove that like, no, you need everybody's participation to ensure that we get great people across the line. So, um, Thank you for being here today and thanks for sharing your story. And um, I'm excited to support more people like you this year and um, get some other good people out on the Bothell City Council. Awesome, Shasti. Well, thank you again for having me. I, I really enjoy listening to the podcast and it's super fun to get asked to be here. So thank you for that. This has been a really good time. Um, Mason, where can people follow your work? I'm mostly active on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at electmasont. And um, you can go to my website is electmason.com and it's down, but it has my email contact on there as well, both for city business as well as non-city business. So if okay. anybody wants to reach out and chat about things related Bothell or otherwise, feel free. Awesome. We'll get them in the show notes. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mason. And thanks everybody listening. And that will do it for this week. The website for the show is indivisiblepodcast.org and the email address is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is part of the Demcast family of podcasts. Learn more about Demcast at demcastusa.com. Special thanks as always to Lori Cowell. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye.